Hello and welcome to episode 96 of a Talking Talkie podcast. I'm Ben Curry and tonight I'm joined by Mrs. Louina Davis-Williams. Good evening. And by Nick French. Hello. We are speaking on a Wednesday and we are going to have to sift through the wreckage of another disastrous week for Talk United because on Saturday we saw our team draw forward with Altrincham and last night we lost 1-0 to Eastleigh which meant we're now bottom and five points off 20th place after 15 games played. So, Irina, what are your thoughts about it all so far? Start to season, everything. I think we've got we're in a lot of trouble, and I think that stems further than from the pitch. Um, but I think it's just not good at the moment. That showed in things like uh, even small things like the food at the ground, like it being difficult to buy match tickets. It does not feel like the owners are investing in running this in a professional way. Um, watching the game on Saturday, I still feel like we threw away what should have been three points and I guess the most alarming thing for me is that I do feel like everybody's trying really hard um, and I'm not just not sure the quality is there so for me it all feels a bit bleak at the moment. Sorry to be depressing. <laughs> Nick? Yeah I mean it's, it's, it's hard to disagree with a lot of that um, you know from from the very start of the season I've tried very much to to give the players time to not make my mind up to not judge them too soon um, it is worrying if, if this is the best that they've got and this is the effort that they're putting in because you can't question a lot of the effort. You don't you don't have a game like Saturday where you draw four all having been 2-0 down at half time. You know, there's, there's clearly desire which is making up for, in some cases, the lack of ability. But when the desire drops or the effort level drops, the quality isn't enough to, to pick us up. And that's, what's, that's what is really difficult to accept at the moment. Um, I mean, in terms of the, there's two ways of looking at it, isn't it? There's the, the off pitch and the on pitch. The off pitch we've never been able to control, and we, you know, we don't, we can't have an opinion on. And, and a lot of people will say how they feel based on 90 minutes on a Saturday and 90 minutes every couple of Tuesdays. They will tell you what they feel from what they see on the pitch. Well, what you see on the pitch is garbage. It, it's been crap, you know, virtually since the start of the season. The two wins that we've picked up, we haven't been the better side. Um, you know, some of the points that we have picked up, you know, second half against Altrincham, you'd have you'd have looked at that and thought you were a you know a top seven side because the desire was there. They were they were attacking like we've seen our sides attack in the last few years. Um but then these stupid mistakes creep in, and then you get a moment of recklessness, which we've had in the last three games, where we've lost a player and had to play with 10 men with an already really stretched squad. We don't have the numbers to cover injuries, let alone a ridiculous suspension like like Marshall gave us on Saturday. Um, you know, it's it's really difficult because you see the on-pitch stuff and it's shit. And then you have to go, right, so if the budget's there and Gary's brought those players in and he's spaffed all his money up the wall and hasn't actually gone out and constructed a, a well-balanced side, then... He is culpable. He is to blame. And there's no excuse for that. And you can't defend him. I'm not sure that the budget was there in the way that some people think it may have been. But we went out and signed a, a, you know, a central midfielder every five minutes in the summer. And the one place that we look as if we have gaping holes, match after match after match, is the centre of midfield. And I just don't get it. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you say. And my next question was going to be, uh, to what extent does the buck stop with Gary Johnson in terms of what we've seen out on the pitch so far this season? Well, yeah, I mean, like I say, if if he's the one that's had a a half-decent budget, if you, if you look at 24 sides in the conference, if we've got a mid-table budget, he hasn't brought in the right players. And, and the... I've been a staunch supporter of Gary Johnson. I still remain of the opinion that he's the right man and that I would keep him because by the time you've paid him and Aaron Downs off, you bring somebody else in who you've got to be careful. Is the grass going to be greener on the other side? Now, some will say it will, it will be. Some will say it's time for a change. It's harder to quieten those voices when the results and the performances are as they have been. Um, but yeah, you know, for the second summer running, we've gone into a season with no width and no pace. Now, you've got to have a game changer. You've got to have somebody that's comfortable on the ball and can carry the ball at pace. Last year, we had people like Evans and Little, who, whilst they might not have had express pace, they were skillful. They could make a turn, create space, and then they didn't need to worry too much about getting in behind. But again, you know, we haven't had a Namain. You know, last year, he solved the problem to a certain extent in November by bringing in Duke McKenna. And I think we all hoped a couple of weeks ago that, uh, you know, the, the, the winger from, um, from QPR is a De Silva. Um, you know, we hoped that he would probably be McKenna Mark II, but haven't really seen enough to, to make a judgment on that. But you can't go into any season at any level of football with absolutely no pace in your side. And that is a mistake on his part. After the game, uh, Gary gave quite a, a different sort of interview uh, in his post-match uh, interview with um, the, the official site. Um, uh, Rowena, I was just wondering, what did you make of, of that interview? It came, it came across quite odd for Gary Johnson. Um, I thought nobody, I'm never ever keen on people shouting abuse from the stands. I think it's a bit, I, I don't think it helps. And You know, it's a bit like booing players. It never helps and it's not nice for him to hear, but I have to say, when I listened to it and he sort of said, you know, I won you promotion, I nearly got promotion again. I thought, I, I love Gary, so don't get me wrong, but I did think that's a little bit, uh, right now, it's a little bit irrelevant. I do agree that, like, that people shouldn't be shouting abuse at you, but, like, I think the way he said it, he was definitely angry. Like, he definitely came across that, got to him and wound him up. Um, um, I don't know, like, have I... Then, the, then he said, you know, I'm not going to let you down. And and I was like, oh, oh, oh Gary, I kind of love you. <laughs> so I feel, I did think it was a very strange post-match interview. Now, that's great if it's true, but if it isn't, I don't understand why he's, um, why he's protecting them in that way. Because for me, I feel like the board aren't backing him is the impression I'm getting. Yeah, he made mention that he wants to bring in more players and do either of you feel that the funds are there to uh, bring in uh, the players that he needs bearing in mind that in the last three or four weeks we've continually been lining up with 14 players in our squads of which two or three probably aren't going to be fully fit or or ready to be played yeah uh, it's a really tough one isn't it because you know if the budget was there then there are there have got to be players out there you know, he's had a relationship with with Plymouth in the past. Um, all right, it was Ryan Lowe rather than Stephen Schumacher, but he had a relationship with him to bring Adam Randall in. He's brought in players from Exeter last season. And, you know, the, the manager changes, but the setup doesn't in, in, you know, in the background. 
And I, I think if the money was there, and, and I'm sure nobody wants to see sides, uh, you know, local sides suffer, that players would have been available to us. Um, I, I struggle going into, I mean, especially into the cup game where you can have seven subs. And what he's done there is he's taken a one-eyed goalkeeper, you know, a, a, a centre-back who's played a handful of minutes at, at any kind of level. And yet we've got, we have got a youth set up. We've got players that have been on the bench before. Um, Matt Wanacock was on the bench a couple of times last season before, you know, and he's obviously made the move to Wigan. Um, you know, we, we've got players, there's there's a, another lad, I think, I, I don't forget his name, so I apologise, but there was a, a youth team striker who got a hat-trick at the weekend. Bung him on the bench. This is, this, is, this is where clubs like us, the only opportunity we've ever got to make any money is to unearth a gem. And we have to be very lucky in doing that, but you've also got to be willing to take that chance. Now, we've, we've constantly, for the last four summers, had Ashley Yeoman Mark II, if you like, in, in Olaf, you know, and he's been in and around and he's had a contract and, you know, he's flattered to deceive a couple of times. Well, this, this kid in the, in the youth team, he might be the next guy that could get you a hundred grand transfer. So you've got to be putting him on the bench. You can't, you can't line up for a, a FA Cup game with seven possible substitutes on, on the bench with four, one of which can't play, two of which are, are, aren't fully fit. You know, when you've got first year pros, even people that he's given a contract to aren't getting on the bench. Now, if they're not good enough, don't waste your budget. Don't give them a, a first year contract, you know, or, or, or keep them keep them there in the background. You know, don't let Olaf play for Dorchester. Call him back because you've got such a, you know, such a hideous injury list. You know, he could be back training with the squad now. So none of the decisions make huge amounts of sense in the fact that we've had three games now where we've had four subs on the bench when there are players in the squad, in the first team, and playing very well for the youth team who aren't getting opportunities. I, I just, I don't get that at all. So with all that being said, do you think we're being run in a professional manner um, befitting of a full-time professional football team? No. No, not in any way. I think the fact that, you know, even let's go back to, um, you know, the free sanitary items. We've banged on about that for years, years, literally years. And it took somebody with a higher profile to say it. And then all of a sudden they were all over it. That's not at the smallest level. That's not listening to your fans. They, they don't communicate with us on Twitter. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't even know that they had a Twitter because they don't, you know, you see all these other clubs having a social media presence and engaging with their fans. Um, it's it's like they don't care. And it's like they've got us all on mute. I've always said this. Um, and in no way do I think we're being run professionally right now. We're not, are we? That's the thing, because you've, you've only got to look at Clark Osborne's statement after the AGM when it was very much a case of, I want to build a stadium again. You know, the bloke's had 20, 25 years of failed businesses where he's promised to do this and promised to do that. You know, go and, go and ask the people at, at Swindon Speedway what they think of Clark Osborne. Go and ask the people at Bristol Rovers what they think of him. It's not just talkie that haven't been run professionally. The bloke doesn't run sports clubs efficiently, professionally, or, or in any way like he gives a shit. And we're the ones that sit here and have to, you know, 
we we defend Gary Johnson, and I, I don't for a minute, you know, say that he's blameless at all, but he's he's just the full guy for Clark Osborne. Clark Osborne's quite happy. He's not going to sack him because a it's going to cost him 150 grand to get rid of you know him and Dan's at least, and he doesn't want the hassle of bringing in another manager when he knows he's got somebody there that will take the flack, take all the emphasis away from him, and he can just slink into the background, do absolutely sod all, and essentially we've got to watch the club slide into oblivion at the moment, and that's we've, I feel like we're back where we were under Gary Hours. Yeah, that's why I thought it was really weird that Gary Johnson said, the board's backing me. I, I'm not really sure why he's protecting him in that way. I mean, unless he does genuinely think he's backing him. If the board are backing him, then he's he's at fault here because he's not bringing in the players that the board are allowing him to bring in. If the board aren't backing him, you know, we saw it earlier in the season with Scott Parker at Bournemouth. He came out and was a little bit outspoken because he needed to strengthen the squad and the owner wanted to be more self-sustaining. Now, fair enough, you want to be more self-sustaining, but, you know, if, if Gary comes out and criticises him, he forces the hand one way or another if he comes out and he's slightly more critical because either he gets the money or he gets sacked. Yeah, I think I said earlier in our group chat that, that Clark Osborne's doing a very convincing job of convincing fans that Gary Johnson is a poor manager. Whereas it should be the other way around. You know, the manager should be convincing the fans that Clark Osborne's a very poor owner because I don't see any flack heading Osborne's way simply because he's funded us for, for the last five years, which is great. But where are we now? We're, we're no better than where we were when he found us. And we're, we are just heading back to, to non-league south. Um, you know, we <laughs> it's crying out for investment in, in the playing staff. It, it absolutely is. Um, so, but imagine for a second that funds were available. Put yourself in Gary Johnson's shoes. What would be your absolute priorities to try and sort this this this, this squad out, which would get us moving upwards? Got How many players someone... am I allowed to sign? Yeah, someone that can score. I think Jarvis Jarvis will score goals. I, I genuinely think that Jarvis can score goals. Goodwin's a you know has been a fantastic little find as well. Um, but for me, there's no there's no confidence and creativity. Nobody's demanding the ball. Armani Little might have made some mistakes last season. You know, he might have made mistakes on the ball. He might have given the ball away, but he didn't shy away from it. He wanted it. He carried it like we saw with Scott Smith on Saturday for the second goal. He carried the ball about fifty yards, and that's what created the goal. And there's such a, a startling lack of any kind of desire to get on the ball and make something happen. Um, I mean, personally, I think you need, you need a, a quick winger and a minimum of one centre back. But you need a you need a, a 28 year old centre back. You need someone like when Buckle brought in Guy Branston to shore up the the defence when we we're in League Two. You need that. You need a bastard in there. You don't you don't need another 19 year old or you know, another Ali Omar who's very, very enthusiastic. Yeah, well done, lovely. But he's not he's not experienced, he's not savvy, he's not he's not career savvy, where Branston was Branston was horrible to play against. He was he was horrible when he played against you. He was the sort of player that you looked at in the opposition lineup and thought, probably haven't got much of a chance today because he'll dominate whoever's playing up front for us. And then he comes and plays for you and you go, I've always liked him. That's the player that you need in the side. You need your experienced... Yeah, bastard is probably the best word I can describe for a centre-half that I want. I want somebody who's going to come in and who's going to 
shit up some attackers, but he's clever enough not to get himself sent off for kicking them. Yeah, rather than elbowing someone twice and getting himself sent off. <sighs> Idiots. I think that, and that's just it. Like, there's so much idiotic behaviour, like Marshall on Saturday. What the fuck are you doing? And then I can't remember who it was, but another one of our players should have got a red card as well for stamping on a player. And it's like that kind of behaviour is just, I think that's probably something that I'd want to really sort out, you know, priority if I was Gary Johnson. Like these players need to get their heads into the game. You can't be going around stamping on people. How have two of our players stamped on someone in one game? It's not good enough. The, the The only thing I'd say about that is, is with Scott Smith, is he was clever enough not to get caught. Now, that's the, that's a little bit what I mean when I kind of say the, the the career savvy side of it. If you can do it and get away with it, fine. If you get caught, you've got to take the ramifications of that. You know, Scott Smith didn't, and I think it was Josh that had said it in, in another chat, you know, that's the sort of thing that, that is what will win you matches, is players that can actually... I, I agree, but his was a bit blatant. I think there are weird. Like was... Lewis used to do it all the time, right? Like you know, no. under under VAR, Scott Smith gets sent off, but we haven't got VAR. The referee was he was on the right, right side of the referee to do it. It was it was clever enough that you can kind of let him get away with it, and he had a good enough game that you're not going to haul him over the coals for it. But you know, the, the stupid thing was, in full view of the linesman and the referee, Ross Marshall did what he did, and that's just fucking mindless it's absolutely ridiculous it's, it's just stupid so all these incidents we're talking about the stamps the pushes to the floor the giveaway penalties uh you know mark Howell said clowning went into his own net against york are these things that we should be aiming at the manager or are these things we should be aiming at the players to improve i mean it, it, again is that the sort of thing that that, that lies at, at gary johnson's door because he's brought these players in essentially it's a difficult one but i mean you know, they say in management, all of it, all of the responsibility lies with you, right? They're your team. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. But how are they going onto the pitch and thinking they can behave that way? I'm not saying that Gary Johnson is saying that they can behave that way. But there's something there's something wrong there with the, with the manager and player relationship. I mean, like, look, look at how angry he was with, with Marshall. He told him to fuck off, like, quite loudly and clearly on BC Sports. So... But I don't know. I can't. I, if I think if it was one player that was doing it over and over again, the problem lies with them. But I find it a little bit weird that we're getting quite a few players acting in this manner. I'm not sure. In a really kind of a little bit sad, officey kind of way, the the culture of an organisation comes from the top, and that mm-hmm. that filters through. So the, the culture at the very top of Clark Osborne not giving a shit. Not saying that filters through Gary Johnson because he clearly cares. He's clearly a very passionate man. Um, but th- there does seem to be a cultural issue within our squad. And, and a lot of that's down to the fact that they're all very young, you know, with the exception of your, your Halstead, Moxie and um, Asa Hall. They're all relatively young, even even Lapsley's, you know, only mid-20s. Um, so there's there's an element of immaturity there. But I'd also... I'd also say that Gary Johnson, in telling him to fuck off on the touchline as he's walking past him, probably is indicative of the behaviours within the the club and on the training ground. That, you know, if Gary Johnson's smashing mugs and all of that kind of stuff, and I'm not saying he's wrong necessarily to do that. He's the manager. It's his way to, you know, how he motivates his team is up to him as long as he's staying within the right moral areas. Um, But snapping 
is exactly what Marshall did. Gary Johnson then snaps at Marshall. There's, it just shows you that everything's not all right in the camp. So let's imagine for a second that he is sacked, let's say tomorrow. Um, is it just as simple as bringing a new manager and, you know, suddenly things start turning around? I mean, it's, it's not, is it? It, but, but it, it, do, it doesn't just happen that we've changed the manager, right, our fortunes are going to change. I don't see it that way. Um, I think if if you bring in a new manager, I mean, last time we had to wait seven weeks and we put up with Dean Edwards, a 7-3 defeat, you know, nobody had a clue sorry that was when Nicholson got sacked and and hours came in we had about seven weeks the opposite happened with Gary Johnson and it was it was within about you know 25 minutes that he got appointed um it, it all depends who comes in I mean if the money's there and all these people are telling us that the money's there and the budget's there and he goes out and brings in somebody in the, the same ilk as when the Cowleys were at Lincoln and that kind of thing. Someone who can come in and young, fresh, can motivate the players. They're real man managers. There's nothing to say why we why it can't turn around straight away. But that's a hell of a leap to make. When you've, when you've watched the players do what they've done for the first 15 games, it would be one hell of a, a leap and a lot of confidence to, in those, those players to, to come in and and be able to turn it around straight away. I, I, I don't see it, not without additions on the playing side as well and quite significant additions. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was just sort of thinking then, like, when's the latest we can turn this around? I don't know. Um, but, like, for me, I'm really torn because I feel like something's got to change. We're, we're doing so each week and nothing's happening. But I think, in fact, I know it won't be any better if Gary Johnson wasn't there. There has to be a plan in place if we're going to get rid of Gary Johnson, and there isn't. There's no plan in place, so I, mean, I don't think it would solve problems. I mean, Clark Osborne spent, you know, what let's say for sake of the argument, four million pounds on this project already. Um, has he got to the point now? Do you think where he's just gone? Fuck it, I'm not putting more money in than I need to to make this club operate at the, basically the lowest it possibly can without going under. I feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. You've you've looked at when. The, the, the playoff final thing happened and he kind of came out straight after that and you, you thought, yeah, he's, you know, he's still committed. And then Manic Monday happened and, you know, the start to last season didn't feel like that he, his commitment was quite where it was a few months earlier. And he lets Gary go out and get a couple of lone players in last season and, and everything turns around and starts to look a little bit more rosy. And you think, right, OK, we've got a full summer. He's got a lot of time now. He can go out. He can bring in his own players. I, I feel like the, the the rug has been cut because Clark Osborne has kind of said, look, that's it. That the money that you had to form a promotion push has gone. You know, I've, I've got a, a figure in my mind as to the most that I will let this club owe me. And I, I think he's reached that figure. I, I don't see the investment being there. And yeah, I think you know this is this is this is as, as poor as I think it's it's been since he's been here. To me, it, his commitment seems less so than it was when we were bottom of the conference before. I think we're in a really desperate situation here, um, and it all stems back to Ashton Gate, doesn't it? And the fact that I kind of feel like he said he put all his money into that. It didn't happen, and then he's gone. He has to go up now. Now I'm, bring, I'm drawing back from that. 
Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you look at the squad we had in that season and the amount of money must have gone into that playing squad to try and get us over the line. It, it's just chalk and cheese to where we are now. I mean, you can do the fag packet maths and, you know, it, it doesn't add up at all. You know, it, the, the standard players we, we, we're now getting in uh, and relying on, it, it, it just, you know, it's, it's desperate, really. And the annoying thing is, is the quality of division, give or take a couple of teams, just isn't there. I mean, last night we we gave Eastleigh as good as we got with ten men for an hour. On on Saturday we were two 0 down to Altingham and without really raising our game substantially, we got into three two ahead. It, it wouldn't take a lot for us to get a few results together and move up the table. I don't think. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's you know, whilst we're bottom of the league and five points adrift, we're not. We're not a side that is going to be cut adrift like that, or we shouldn't be. We're not far away from a side that, you know, I mean, Altrincham were very average. They didn't have to do anything really to, to cut us open in the first half. And then as soon as we put pressure on them, they, they crumbled. You know, they were, they were poor. They're a poor side. But yeah, I mean, still they should have been up like 5-0 in the first yeah. half. Like, Wrexham would have been up that you know, so. but we still only drew four four. You know, yeah. that's a game that we should have been coming out of that game, having won the game. And you know, yeah, you can you can argue that, but for Marshall, you know that that may well have happened, but it didn't. You know, you can only you can only take your your leave on on what actually happened in the game. And one of the things that happened was he picked up a stupid red card. So that happened. We, we came away from a, a game against the side who aren't very good with a draw. We went away to a side that aren't very good and lost one nil. You know, we've, we've gone away and been hideous and picked up a couple of victories. You know, we, we get, we get, we get to the end of October and we haven't won a home game. That's, that's the sort of shit that you can't, you, you know, you can't do that and expect to have any kind of successful season. You know, it, it's just, I don't know whether or not he'll be able to get players in, but it's just, it feels a bit terminal at the moment. Last night felt very different. After the game felt very different to after the game a lot of times this season. Well, I think there's quite a lot of us that have tried to maintain a pretty positive outlook, um, also a realistic outlook. We've had to rebuild a whole team. We lost, for me, it felt like we lost the most players we've lost at the end of the season. It felt like a lot. Um, so I think there's been an understanding that this year was never going to be riding high. But I feel like even as who have tried to be realistic about our expectations this year, last night were, were stunned um, almost. And I think seeing a red card early on, on and just feeling like, what is this team doing here? Another red card when we've got all those injuries. Like that, and that for me is just so annoying. It's, it's like, you know that there's loads of injuries and you're going in and you're elbowing somebody twice. That's totally avoidable. Um, that's what's frustrating. I think for me, at the Old Chicken game on Saturday, um, I left obviously disappointed we didn't win, but we won the second half 4-2 and we showed that we weren't completely shit. You know, we, we attacked well, we scored some good goals. And even when we had that massive gut punch of conceding a last-minute goal and being down to 10 men, we still found a way to get an equaliser. Um, I clapped the players off on Saturday and I've noticed in certain places uh, that's been derided by some fans. And I think, for me, a lot has been levelled up them all season. They don't care and they don't, haven't got any bollocks and got a spine. Well, on Saturday, we did show that. So it was important for me to acknowledge that. 
Um, but the disappointing thing is that we didn't build them at all on on Tuesday. And uh, as you say, within half an hour, we were goal down, penalty again, another mistake, 18-year-old Loney from, from Millwall. Um, and then a red card, totally avoidable. And then the game's up after half an hour. You know, very unlikely you're going to get back into the game after that. It, it just seems like, you know, we've taken half a step forward and then suddenly it's two steps back again. Um, and I'd like to point out, I've got, I've got nothing wrong with a curly from, from Millwall. I, you know, I'm a massive fan of, of getting young players in, developing them, you know, hope he has a great career in the game. We don't need that sort of player at this moment in time. That's not what our equipment should be about. You know, as Nick said, we, we need a 30-year-old player who's been doing it for years and years and years, knows the division inside out, is not going to get overawed by two brick shithouse strikers. You know, we need someone who's ready to go and would kick his granny to, you know, to put his line, put his head in front of the, the ball to stop it going in, in the back of the net. And we don't have enough of those at the moment. I mean, I, I don't know how the recruitment works, but I mean, when, when a Coley came in, I've, I've got a friend who is a, a Millwall fan. And I said, oh, what can you tell me about him? And he said, well, he's a, he's a sort of defensive midfielder. Well, he's come in and played centre-half. So if, if somebody, if a supporter of another side can tell you that he's not a centre-back, why does he come in as a centre-back? You know, yeah, OK, he's, he's six foot four. And obviously, you know, he's got something about him to be playing, you know, being in, in and around the Millwall squad. But who's, who's doing the recruitment there to go, well, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's good enough to come in. And I mean, he's played ahead of Omar. He's played ahead of one of your two, and I'll say it in inverted commas, first choice, senior centre-backs. You know, if, if he's playing ahead of, of Ali Omar, there's something very wrong because either Omar should be playing, and if he's not, he shouldn't be anywhere near the, near the you know, our first team, our squad, you know, and I, that, that is probably where I would believe that the budget's not there rather than Gary's squandered it because you'd have gone out and bought somebody in that, that could do it. But, you know, like you say, you bring in, you bring in centre-backs, you bring in young players and help develop them. And that's, that's half of what the, the transfer market's about at our level. You know, it's bringing in Sam Shering and Adam Randall and watching them do what they did for us. You know, and okay, we were we were exceptionally lucky to find two season-long loans of that quality and that consistency. But you go on and watch what they've what they've gone on to do, and you know that a Coley's not of that level. You know, you you, are, you offer me a Coley, or you offer me what Sam Sharing did that first season, and uh, you know, if there's anybody that would take a Coley, I would be worried about their mental state. I mean, you look at it last night. So Jarvis is off after half an hour. So then Goodwin's running the, uh, the forward line by himself for 65 minutes. And he's already played 90 minutes uh, on Saturday, 90 minutes before that, 90 minutes the game before that. You look at the bench, who can we bring on to give him a hand or, or even give him a rest? You've got Lapsley, Omar and Ollie Tomlinson. You know, no strike, uh, no manager, no matter how poorly he's doing, sh should have that as his only options to try and change things. It, it, it isn't right. And so we've now got Jarvis missing for Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see if we get a striker in time for Saturday for Notts County or whether he's just told to make do with what you've got. And then we'll know for sure the budget just isn't, isn't there. Either way, it's not going to be pretty on Saturday, is it? Or, or maybe we'll do one of those. We, we'll beat them out, completely out of the blue. 
I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll probably have to tuck into a delicious piece of Victoria sponge to get me through that game. <laughs> oh, that would go down nicely. A bit of Victoria sponge. Yeah. 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 Could we just talk about food instead? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, Nick, yeah. Shared a, Nick shared a picture of his dinner earlier and it looked really nice. It was a, a pepper steak and uh, uh, potatoes and um, peas. I think that's sweet corn. Not, not really a fan of sweet corn, but I, I just thought that photo looked a lot better than the, the prospect of doing this podcast, in all honesty. So <laughs> we, maybe we should just talk about food instead of, of, of football. Absolutely. From the they're, they're downstairs making a, uh, a nice cherry pie at the moment. So when, when I come off this, I get to go and have that. So. You know, even if we don't finish this on a on a positive note, my evening is certainly will finish off. On yeah, I've got, <laughs> I actually, I've, I've got a banoffee bun in the fridge, so that's nice. <laughs> See, look, food's better than football, isn't it? Yeah, we're smiling already. This is now a Talking Tucker uh, to- uh, podcast uh, from now on. Um, but one of the positives last night, one of the only positives from our club was uh, 259 away fans. And that on a Tuesday night when we are genuinely shit is just utterly unbelievable support again. Year after year, it, it never fails to astound me just how good our travelling support is. It is, isn't it? You know, from a, as a percentage of your home gate to take, you know, over, over 10%, probably up to about 15% on a Tuesday night when you're bottom of the league and you probably know it's not going to be very pretty you you we always go in hope more than you know more than expectation but for, for 259 people to travel to Eastleigh and I know some people's journeys were shorter than others Jules but you know <laughs> although the trip he took after the game sounded a bit more painful um, oh poor Jules I hope you're right Jules <laughs> but you know it is it's it's a it's an absolutely fantastic away following and shy of about the nine people who wanted to have a dig at, at Gary last night, which, which I'll never advocate for. If you, you know, you can, you can want the manager to go, but to be so public and so, you know, vile about it is, is not excusable. Um, but yeah, so yeah, well done to everybody who went um, for, for the 90 minutes, but perhaps maybe not for half a dozen or so after the game. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing way following at the moment, particularly with the results going as they are. And I bet we'll, we'll take a good amount of um, fans to not, to knots as well. So yeah, I mean, we're all supposed to be going to Barnet in November and I'm not sure how fun that sounds right now. I'm going just for Ben Winter. <laughs> Let's go and sit in the Barnet end with Ben Winter top on. <laughs> uh, as stated, we are at Notts County on Saturday. Um, who warmed up for us by beating Wildstone 6-1 uh, last night. So um, <laughs> don't, make, don't make us do it. <laughs> don't do make us ha- do it, Ben. No. So Come on, to. Does, any, does, does anybody want to know what we think about Saturday? What would be the highest amount of goals we'd concede where you'd not be absolutely embarrassed or, and or fuming? Oh. It's it's tough, isn't it? Because you've got a side with a really poor defence against the side with the best striker in the league, really. You know, it's, it's the, always four. I'm sorry, when it gets to five, it starts getting like the the opposition players stop celebrating. Then when it gets to five, it's just embarrassing. Like four is enough. Like you know, like and then don't even get me started on like eight or nine. <laughs> Do a Southampton, no thanks. <laughs> the, the thing the thing that we've always had in our favour is Gary Johnson. 
And there is absolutely nothing to say that he can't pull one out of the bag. You know, you're going to go there without Jarvis. So somebody's got to come in there. So does he go back to three at the back and, you know, shore things up and actually, you know, try and get men behind the ball. You, you probably give it, give Lapsley and Hall the game and try and just frustrate the hell out of them. Stay, stay at nil nil for as long as you can, you know, or, do you accept that you're gonna gonna get beaten? Give Lapsley and Hall the, the the day off. You know, not necessarily the whole day off. They might have to do forty five each. Um, but then chuck your eggs in into Aldershot at home next Tuesday, and think, well, that's that's where we're more likely to get the three points. So that's where we we probably need those those players more than we need them on Saturday, and accept that you might ship four or five. Um, I'm probably in that that second camp. It's not Gary Johnson style. He will play Acer and, and Lapsley if they're fit. Will play ninety minutes, but I'd probably err uh, towards maybe trying to prioritise Tuesday a little bit because that's where we've got our chance of picking up three points. If we if we get anything out of Saturday with any kind of squad, then that will be incredible. But we're most likely to pick something up on Tuesday, so I think I'd probably probably tend to wait put a bit more weight on Tuesday. I mean, can we actually put a team out on Saturday? That's the first question, because Moxley limped off again last night. Um, Jarvis is obviously suspended. Marshall's still going to be suspended. Um, you know, someone's going to end up falling over from the car park at training tomorrow, probably. So, <laughs> whatever we put out, it's, it's not going to be pretty. Unless, you know, I say, any manager in the situation in, in, at normal clubs would, would have to bring in two or three extra players. It's so embarrassing as well. It's like it's like we're a Sunday league squad. Like we can't get a team together. That's this proper national league self behaviour. Um, it, it it is. It, it just it just stinks of that. And I've seen a lot of people moan about the nature of our injuries. Well, okay, let's go through that. Kieran Evans has got three broken ribs. That, that's not Gary Johnson telling him telling him to go out and, and break his ribs. That doesn't happen. Dan Martin's got a broken ankle, and why it's roughly the same. Again, they're not impact injuries. That's just bad luck. Corey Andrews has had an operation, so he's had a bad injury. Ryan Hansen, as far as I know, is still got concerns over, over concussion, which they're taking really seriously. So, so these aren't just pulled muscles or, or, or bad preparation. These are bad injuries. You know, these are, these... They are, aren't they? Because we had we had a lot of we had a lot of muscular injuries when when we had Clay Hepworth, and he he took a fair bit of stick from from supporters, myself included. Um, and the in, nature of the injuries at the moment are very much impact. They're you know, like you say, broken ankles and you know things like that. They're not they're not things that you pick up from being slightly overtrained. You know, it, it's that's not something that is anything that can be controlled when you when you know when you get smashed into in the first 15 minutes of a game and you break three of your ribs that's not something that would have been solved by going a bit easier in training you know as is the same with Dan Martin the same with Wyatt and so you know it's something that we can't you can't constantly criticize the medical department or lack of for for the injuries where where you may have been able to to level out them in the past um, but you, you know, you're quite right. No manager at this level should be having to worry about whether or not they can fit, you know, pick an 11, let alone a 16. 
but I think Ben raised it on a pod a while ago we did together as well like how we're not staying overnight um, before away games as well it's all so unprofessional you know it's just oh, it's just it's just beyond depressing that's why I said earlier and I think some people disagree but I've, I just feel so like it did with Gary Hours and I'm not really saying that I feel like Gary Johnson is doing what Gary Owls did, but my point in saying it's similar is that Gary Owls wasn't getting results. We were going down and down and down and, and Osborne wasn't doing anything about it. He wasn't giving us any money to solve the situation or change something up. And that's how I feel like it's the same thing. We just have a better manager in the middle of it this time. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're one step away from uh, Gary Johnson driving the coach himself, like, uh, like, like Nicholson used yeah. to do. And being but on the bench. We're, yeah, we're... We are essentially at that at that uh, spot now. Um, it is, but then under Nicholson, it was ironically it was Clark Osborne who gave us a little cash injection um, when we were rudderless and about nine points bottom of, of the table, and we brought in four or five players in January, and immediately we won four in a row and wiped out that nine point deficit, and we stayed up with three or four games to go. So it doesn't take a lot in this division in order to do that. No, this but, division's this division's poor. It's not. It's not a good division, you know. If if sides like Altrincham can be sat there in sort of seventeenth, eighteenth, thinking we just got to pick up a, a result against a Torquay every, you know, every so often, and you know, and they can sit there just outside the relegation zone, you know, Yeovil as well, they've been crap, and they're still sat there in about twentieth place, and they're they're still in touch. Um, but going back to to Clark Osborne just for a second, is that his greatest strength at the moment is his invisibility. And that is that is the problem for Gary Johnson is he takes the supporters flack because he's the one stood on the touchline. He's the one picking the team. He's the one that signs the players. But everything else is operated by a guy who is, for all intents and purposes, invisible. Nobody sees him. So you can't direct your anger to, to Clark Osborne because he has no presence anywhere. And that's a problem. I, I don't think enough fans realise just how perilous the situation is regarding Osborne. They say, well, he's given us £5 million and it's all been wasted. But that's £5 million we're never going to get back. That's £5 million we can't repay him. And the longer we can't repay him, the more leverage he has over Torbay Council to get, give him some land, which will eventually see the death of the club. So we, it, we should stop seeing Clark as Osborne as some sort of benefactor in, in the way that Fia Bristow was, and actually see him as an 11 force who is, who is quietly trying to undo the club and, and bring it down to the ground, which is exactly what I think we're seeing at the moment. Absolutely. Clark, Clark Osborne isn't worried about four million quid because four million quid he will make back. Well, he probably is, but he's, he's going to make that back if he gets the ground, if he builds the houses. Whatever he does, whatever, whatever deal he ends up being able to strike will allow him to make that money back. So what he's weighing up at the moment is, can I afford to spend any more and still make that money and still make everything worthwhile? And that's what we're probably seeing is, is him, him on a tipping point of, you know, how much, do I, how much do I continue to pump into this football club that I have no allegiance for, no ties to, and couldn't care less whether they exist in 20 years' time. I don't you know, really think he likes football. Like his interest isn't really in football, is it? It's never been in football. He's never no. been to a game, as far as I know. It's not in building football grounds either. You know, he's he's he doesn't have any interest other than business. Well, the only time he spoke at all was after the AGM, and all he said there was, "We need a new stadium," as if as if that's going to you know get 
you know, wild-eyed ideas to a few fans who think that might be a good idea without realising the ramifications that Clark Osborne does not build stadiums. Um, I was going to include this in any other business, but now would be a good time to say join the trust if you have not really joined the trust, um, because this is sort of exactly the sort of situation we'll need the trust for if things continue to go south and we find ourselves without a club. You know, the, the trust is, is exactly there for that sort of thing. So if you're not a member, please sign up to the trust. Yeah, quite right. It's, um, you know, it is a, well, whilst they don't have any, any sort of sway and impact in the, the club itself, you know, they, they do some great things for the community. They, they support the, the women's football team. Um, you know, they, they do some brilliant things for, for the younger fans and things like that. So, you know, it is a worthwhile cause to support. Um, and like you say, we are never going to know when, when we'll need them. But at some point there will be a club statement and it will be funding has been withdrawn and what have you. And, you know, I think we, we all probably expect that to happen. So we need an organisation that will help us when that time comes. Yeah, totally agree. Um, it was interesting when we had a member of the, the test on here and the work they do. And I mean, going back to being professional from the start, um, Osborne has not wanted to talk to test or get them involved or take on any of their ideas. So, I mean, even if it's just because you fucking hate him, join test. Uh, so, Nottingham away, are we going to do score predictions or should we do who's going to get sent off? Which one's taking the red card uh, on Saturday? I'll go um, for a, I'll go for a goalkeeper, whichever one. Either will do. Uh, handling outside the box and giving away a free kick and getting sent off for his troubles. Love it will be playing up front, won't he? More than likely. Um, yeah, I mean, as oh, yes. as an, not as an eternal optimist, but as as someone who tries to see the the positives as much as they can. Um, I'll say that it's going to be a, a one-all draw. I mean, there's being an optimist and then there's, you know... Fucking idiot. <laughs> I'll give you 50... Actually, I won't give you because... Um, well, Rory Keating, he's going to score on Saturday. There you go. He's going to score on Saturday. Ah, <laughs> uh, Rory Keating. I wonder, um... if, uh, I wonder if Wheel TFC got his 50 quid, by the way. Need, need to see, um, you know, proof that's actually happened. I don't know. When, when you're 1-0 down and you need a goal, I can't believe he, he was an unused sub last night. Saturday, what are you, what are you, what are you genuinely thinking is going to happen? Um, I think we're going to get absolutely spanked. Um, I think we're going to lose 4-1 and we'll be lucky to get the one. Who's going to get the one? Love it. <laughs> uh, before we end, um, have we got any other business? I don't think so. I'm guessing we're not doing man of the match. We're we giving up on that. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't done that, have we? Yeah, do we have to? Uh, for Altrincham, okay. Altring, Altringham's easy enough to do, isn't it? I think I, I personally think, Jar ironically, Jarvis had a, a, a very, very good game on on Saturday. Just cause even in the first half. It's just because he fancy Jarvis, isn't it? Yeah, but he, he's gorgeous, isn't he? <laughs> he's bloody. I mean, bloody love. I, I, I respect people who have a decent hairline like myself. So, yeah, you know, big fan of Jarvis. Not, not after last night, admittedly, but on Saturday he did do well. Yeah. We'll have a brag there about Ben's hairline if you haven't seen it. Visit his Twitter page. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was that be, you bigging up your own hairline or was that you being slightly yeah, derogatory? I'm a fan people? of someone who's got as good a hairline as I have. So, 
35 years old. Yeah. I know 26, 27-year-olds who do a podcast, uh, you know, who don't have as good a airline as that. So that's all I'm saying. I, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. But just, uh... Is he only 27? I think he's younger than that. I thought he was mid, mid-30s. No. No, I think, I think he's about 24. Um, yeah, I'd go... I mean, I'd, I'd give Man of the Match on Saturday to Jarvis. Um, I thought Scott Smith had a decent game and Crow scored the equaliser. So that would be where my, my money would go. Um, I thought Moxie should be in the top three. Yeah. Uh, perhaps not man the match, but I thought he's excellent. And as a wider point, I, I just feel sorry for him because he's so much better than what we're currently showing. And if I was him, I'd just be looking at Buckland or Tibbetton Parkway and just think, that's got to be better than playing with this. You know, oh, okay. I can see him getting and playing for, for Taunton next season. Have one, one season, it's, you know, it's 20 minutes the other way from him where he lives. He's just a class act and he's he's been head and shoulders our best player of the season. And as I say, I just feel sorry for him, but he'd be in my top three. It, actually, his his, his uh, bit of play led to the equalising goal goes under the radar as well, actually. Um, not only did he win the, the ball back high up the field with a great style tackle, he then didn't panic when it came to crossing the ball and uh, that's what found it way back to Crow who put it in the back of the net. Um, yeah, that, that's fair. I'd probably, yeah, I'd, I'd maybe stick him in, in at two points, possibly three, I don't know. Yeah, I thought... And then I, I couldn't really argue with with uh, Smith or or Jarvis. Although a big shout out to Asa Hall, who doesn't really need to do a lot in order to be, you know, our, our best player m- m- most weeks. And he was he was not happy when he got substituted. No, but then it probably gets a lot easier to uh, <laughs> agree with situation when the guy who comes on scores with his first touch. You can't really argue with that. But I think that was that was one the the, the first thing that's gone for Gary yeah. Johnson all season. I was disappointed that Marshall had to like a bellend because uh, I actually thought he was having a really good game until he got sent off. Marshall? The guy who gave away a penalty and fell over for the third goal? I think he was working really hard. I, yes, I mean, I would, I would respectfully disagree with that. I don't, I don't know. I think until he made big mistakes, he was working hard. He was working a lot harder than other people. I don't think he was particularly playing incredibly, but I do think he was all right until he got sent off. I mean, I suppose it's probably an indicator of where we are that you can have an average game, make three massive mistakes and still be one of our better performers. Yeah, <laughs> not much in the pool. <laughs> No, I mean, well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, he, he, there were three of the goals came from his area of the pitch, whether whether you'd say mistakes or not. So obviously, he hung his leg out for the penalty. The bloke seen his leg and gone over it. It was a penalty. He's slipped as a few other players did. So you can probably give him a little bit of a break for that one. But then, you know, a second goal came out of his petulance anyway. So yeah, I mean, I I probably. <sighs> He's got something, but it's whether or not he's got the willingness to learn. Again, it comes back to, I think, Nick, is he needs somebody training him um, that, that isn't the manager, that is, like you said, a bastard on the pitch, and he's training him and showing him how to manage that anger and use that to be, and use that in a clever way, rather than just being a thug. But our I mean, assistant I... manager's a former centre-half. 
I once saw Aaron Downs uh, run into a striker from 40 yards uh, and take out the corner flag and the striker and leave them both draping over the advertising hoardings uh, in the last minute of the game. We were losing 4-3 in a fit of anger. I don't think Aaron Downs is quite the person to instill discipline into our defenders, to be completely honest. But he should be, he should be helping them to defend. He should be able to teach them how to defend. Well, he should, and so should Moxie. But we're just shipping goals left, right and centre. So, you know, but then at the same time, the midfield are not really giving them any protection at all either. I mean, we, we've all said it enough times and it was so evident on that first half that we were just getting moved around the pitch at will. We were so disjointed that a better team would have been six up at half time and you couldn't have had any complaints. Yeah. I mean, as a team, we don't defend. We don't... I mean, OK, to be fair to Jarvis and Goodwin, they hassle and press and try to defend from the front, but the ball always gets out and as soon as it gets past the halfway line, we, we are just an absolute jumble there. It's an absolute mess. Yeah, that's that's the issue, isn't it? Is that there's no there's no structure. Like you say, once once the ball comes beyond those two strikers who are pressing, everything seems to be stretched that much more. And whether it's the fact that we have, we've got players that are you know are half fit who can't really get around the pitch, you know, Asa could have got around the pitch a couple of years ago. You know, his last great hurrah was probably the playoff season. He will. We are, and I'll, you know, I agree with with what Drew normally says is that you know we're a better side with Hall in the team than without. Um, but there isn't there isn't the room for those kind of passengers who can't do that pressing game that the manager wants because we seem to get caught between about four or five different styles. And you're right, without the ball, we're an absolute mess, and there's no way that you can you can sustain that over the course of a season conceding goals at will you know and having no organisation because you can't put your, your defence and your keeper under that much pressure uh, So we actually decided on a top three I think we're struggling um, we? I, think, I think you're right, you're right with Moxie I'd, I'd kind of, I'd forgotten about him but probably because he does all his best work and goes under the radar a lot but that assist for the, the fourth goal was, was absolutely sensational um, so I'd, I'd, I'd bung him in there I think Jarvis worked his socks off all game. Um, and I think Scott Smith had a, a decent game. I, I like Smith. I like Smith a lot. He's got something about him as well. In a better team, he'd be absolutely outstanding. Whereas he, he's, he's effective at what he does. He, he's not, he hasn't, been, has, hasn't got the freedom in the pitch to show what he can really do. A lot of his stuff he's doing is under the most immense pressure, you know, with four players surrounding him, trying to, bring the ball out of defence. It's, it's not really what you want an 18-year-old to be doing at the bottom of, of the league. You, you, you'd want to be seeing him playing one, one of the top teams at the league. And I think you'd see, you know, a very free-scoring player, much like Adam Randall was. He, he sort of reminds me a little bit of how much better he is than we've already got. I don't yeah, think we absolutely. Ignore, so, um, Asa Hall on Saturday as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you scored twice. You're, you're definitely in the window for, for having had a good game. I'll, I'll leave it to you, Ben. You, you know, you were you were actually at the ground. We we watched on the telly, so you you give it the order and and, and pick what you think. Um. Okay. Um. Moxie first. Uh. Jarvis second. Scott. Uh. Scott Smith third. Fair. Um. I think probably with the amount of pressure we were under last night, you've probably got to stick Halstead up there. He was only he was only beaten by a penalty. Um, and, and, you know, 
we didn't embarrass ourselves with 10 men so you know Housestead's probably gonna gonna be there yeah um, good win for probably running around a lot up front by himself with absolutely no support yeah um De, Sil- De Silva sounded like he um, caused a few problems towards the end. Um, probably the only bit of pace in the team sounded like he stretched stretched him. Actually, the the only couple of chances that really we we had on the the highlights package were, were probably you know from open play were, were from him. So yeah, that that would be that would be fair enough. I mean, maybe we ask uh, Johnny or, or Tom Vosper who was out of the game just to give us a help with that. But um... yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. I mean, we we weren't there. We've only seen the highlights, so maybe when when the you know the, the tweet goes up, we can maybe stick something on there about about that. Yeah, I think that's just about it from us. Um, as I say, coming up, we've got Notts County on Saturday, and then home game the following Tuesday against Oldershot. So hopefully, we can try and put out uh, some sort of team in both of those games and. Who knows? Anything can happen in football. We could be able to speak to you on Wednesday or Thursday with a few points under our belt, and let's hope that's the case. Yeah, I, I, you know, we're we're always good for a win against Oldershot, even when we're shit. So let's 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 say that we're going to get three points out of the two games, and things will look a little bit more rosy in the garden. I'm afraid Verena's internet has dropped out for some reason, but she sends her regards and uh, thank her for her uh, contributions tonight, and thank you to Nick. Thank you very much, mate. And hopefully we'll speak to you again sometime soon. Up the goals. See you later. Good night.